tracking sport across the southeast. Sports Beat Extra. We've worked very hard on, on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. There's no point in time and anything except standards of excellence. We will deal with the Tottenham Cup if we're in it and we'll, we'll certainly give it every bit of respect. There's no feeling that beats playing for Ireland. Up the My God, I'm going to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sports Beat Extra. Good evening and welcome along to Sports Beat Extra. I'm Andy and here's what's coming up on today's show. Coming up shortly, I'll be chatting to former Ireland striker Daryl Murphy about Ireland versus Netherlands in tomorrow's crucial Euro 2024 qualifier and how the future could be bright as Ireland's young stars continue to break through. But first up, I'm joined by Emer O'Sullivan, who is Corporate Affairs Director at Little. On Monday, Little released their State of the Nation research surrounding girls in sport. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. So on Monday, 4th of September, 2023, Little released their State of the Nation research on the increase in body confidence but decline in mental well-being among 12 to 18-year-old girls since 2017. I'm delighted to be joined by Emer O'Sullivan, who is the Corporate Affairs Director at Little. Emer, what can you tell us about that research? Thanks so much for having me. So yes, we commissioned originally commissioned this research back in 2017 at the beginning of Lidl's partnership with the LGFA. And we've just recently commissioned kind of follow-up research on that, that kind of asks the same kind of questions, same topics, um, and generally looks at secondary school girls and their attitudes towards sport. So when we look at the findings, they're actually really, really interesting. And overall, the results are really positive. Um, For example, when we looked at how girls rated um, their body confidence, that has increased from 28% in 2017 to to 36% in 2023. And if you drill down a little bit deeper, the girls who don't play sport are rating their body confidence, which is 25 percent. Um, and the girls that do play are actually rating theirs at 40 percent. So that's really, really interesting takeaway for us. When we look at participation in sports and we've seen a significant increase from 39 percent to 50 percent in 2023, which is really fantastic. But as you mentioned, looking at mental well-being, we've actually seen a decline from 52 percent to 43 percent in 2023. Um, and looking at the girls who don't play sport, that's at just 29 percent versus the girls that do play sport. It actually um, increases to 49 percent. So you can see there's a significant gap there and it really shows the benefit benefits of um, playing sport um, in this age group. Absolutely. I mean, it's so important for not just young girls, but but everyone to get involved in something like that, that maybe takes your mind off other things. And why do you think that there's been such a, a downturn, say, in that strong mental well-being compared to 2017? Well, I think while um, participation has increased and that's been positive, we can really see, I think, the impact of covid um, over the last number of years. So when you look at um, some of the stats there, 33% of those um, who dropped out over the last number of years lost interest because of COVID and 47% found it really hard to return. So we can really see the significant impact um, that COVID has had on young people. Um, and we know from this research that those are, who are playing sport rate their general well-being higher as well. So it really shows us we need to keep the focus on the funding and programmes like our Little Plus Rewards campaign are so important in keeping these young girls in sport. Absolutely. And just to touch on, you mentioned obviously COVID was a tough time. Was there any indicator from the girls 
why they then chose not to go back to the sport after the interruption of COVID? When we look at participation and I suppose the age group, so from, you know, 12 to 18 year year, year olds and um, girls aged 12 to 14, 60 percent of them are playing, which is fantastic. When we look at girls aged 18, only 29 percent play. So you can see there that pivotal time between 14 and 18 years old, there is a big drop off. And that when we kind of ask the question around, you know, why are they leaving? Um, why aren't they continuing to play? Um, exam pressure plays a big role in that. Um, the transition from, you know, primary school to secondary school and everything that goes along with that. Um, is, it's a stressful time for these young girls. But also um, something that's really important um, is, you know, are their friends playing? Is it social? Is it fun? Um, so you can see, you know, there is a really big challenge there for us to overcome. Um, and it's really important for us to continue to invest and ensure that they have a positive experience um, in sports so that they continue to play and reap the benefits. Absolutely. You, you mentioned there the shared experience with friends and the fun training environment were two of the kind of big hitters in why the girls were playing. And I suppose that can kind of work on the other side of things where if you have a friend group and one or two decide that, I'm not going to play, then maybe there's a fall off on the rest of them. So how do you ensure going forward that maybe girls are able to say, no, I want to keep playing, that I'm not going to give up just because X, Y and Z have decided that they're done? Yeah, I think, look, we all have a role to play in that. Um, you know, teachers and coaches and everyone that's involved, you know, at a grassroots level are doing a phenomenal job, you know, to keep these girls in sport. And as I mentioned, participation has increased um, but there's always more to do. Um, and when you look at, I suppose, the increase of, um, you know, media coverage on um, female sports and um, the focus on promotion and then the big kind of new um, sponsorships um, of women's sport, like legal sponsorship of the LGFA, we can see that they're having a positive impact. But we still need to double down on investment and ensure, as I said, that they have a positive experience and they stay in sport um, as well. Grassroots being so important. How essential is it to even get in with different coaches? Because I know you have a lot of coaches that maybe come across to the women's game from previously coaching boys or men. So how important is it to, you know, as you say, get that funding in at grassroots levels, help those coaches? Because it is, you know, it is different coaching the girls and the women's teams. Yeah, absolutely. It is really important. And I think, you know, as the the sponsor of the Ladies Gaelic Football Association, we take our role with regards to that really, really seriously. So um, we recently committed to um, investing 10 million euro over the 10 years of our sponsorship. And over the last two years, we've invested over half a million in clubs alone um, through our rewards program. And that's why, you know, we're now you know, putting our focus on on schools and and keeping these girls um playing and um, throughout their their school period. So, you know, the importance of these funding programs is is astronomical, particularly because again, we want to have these girls have a positive experience, um, and have you know the jerseys, the resources that they need, um, in order to have a positive experience and, and keep playing the sport. Absolutely, you have to say you are doing amazing work, and that sponsorship with the LGFA. Where do you see that going maybe in the next kind of four or five years at the inter-county level? Um, well, look, it's something that we're exceptionally proud of and we're really proud of the progress that we've made over the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, the increase in participation has been um, huge for us. It's definitely a partnership that, um, you know, our employees hold very dear to their hearts and 
we all um, love to work on it and love to, um, you know, play our part in the sponsorship. It's definitely something that we hope to continue. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Brilliant. And finally, Emer, what would you say to any girl out there who's maybe thinking of taking up a sport or is on the fence about, you know, maybe going the other way and giving up a sport? I think what's really important is to, you know, just going back to the research and seeing what a positive impact it can have, you know, on all different facets of your life from body confidence to mental well-being to, you know, having great experiences with friends. You know, there are those pressures that come in and, you know, as, as a girl and, and, and being in school a couple of years ago now, you know, I can definitely empathize with that. Um, but I think, look, when you actually get active, get out and, um, you know, have a fun time with friends, it, it's always going to be a positive and in the longer term on, on the likes of your mental health and, and body confidence as well. Absolutely. Listen, Emer, keep up all the great work that you're doing and thanks so much for coming on to speak with me today. Sports Beat Extra. Beats 102-103. A quick word now about a very exciting event coming up in Carlo, a Rugby World Cup preview with special guests. Robin Johnson of Tolo Rugby Club tells all the details. Good afternoon, Andy, and thank you. Um, just Tolo Rugby Club are presenting a Rugby World Cup preview night. We have our own panellists there, ex-Leinster and Ireland player Bernard Jackman who also coached with us once upon a time in Tullow we have our very own Sean O'Brien on the panel and ex-Connacht and Ireland player Alison Miller is also going to join us and they're going to preview the first game and talk about the uh, the highs and lows of it and preview the upcoming game in Ireland's pool so it should be a very good night tickets are 20 euros each it starts at 8pm Tickets are available on Eventbrite online or they'll also be available on the door on the night. So as I say, we have a very good lineup. Our own Paddy Brown is the MC, and Paddy would have been around the club when Sean was there as a youth and also when Bernard Jackman was there with us. So there could be a few tall tales being told about the two boys as well. So if you're looking for an interesting night out with a bit of crack and a preview of the World Cup, it's the place to be. Absolutely. I tell you, you couldn't have covered it any better, Rowan. That's because I have the poster in my hand. <laughs> you can prepared. Robin, you're a gent. Thanks a mil for joining me. This is Sportsbeat Extra. I'm delighted to be joined by former Ireland striker Daryl Murphy as we look ahead to what could be a make-or-break game for both Ireland's Euro 2024 hopes and indeed the tenure of under-pressure boss Stephen Kenny. Daryl, first of all, what do you think are the chances of Ireland getting a win tomorrow night at home against the Netherlands? I think it's possible. Of course it's possible. I think you have to go the lads that are playing and and involved in it, I think they have to go into that game really expecting to win. I think that should be their mentality, that that they can go and win the game. Um, I don't think there'll be any of them there. They won't fear the game. Um, they know what that's at stake. They, they just need to go and win. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we've got injuries to contend with now at the minute. Evan Ferguson has really burst onto the scene in the last year. So how much of a blow is it to have a player of that calibre, especially given the form he's in, uh, with Brighton at the minute be out for for the game tomorrow yeah it's a massive loss um, a really big loss I was looking forward to to seeing him play because I think coming off the back of his hat-trick um, and the way he's been playing um, all season really uh, it's a massive blow for Ireland because he gives so much to the team and I think at such a young age we're kind of we're kind of dependent on him at the, at the minute um, to get us them goals and it's not even his goals I think his all-round play his link-up play is, is absolutely brilliant so it'll be a massive loss but it's, it's a chance for someone else 
Absolutely. You mentioned, you know, he he's such a young man with a lot on his shoulders, the, one of the up-and-coming talents that we have. And on the other side of the injury list, we're without the leadership of the evergreen Seamus Coleman. Who steps into that role, do you think, or is that a collective effort? I think it's a collective effort, to be honest. Um, I think that we've got a few experienced guys in the, in the squad and, and, and younger lads as well that aren't that experienced. But um, I think with the team... Stephen Kenny's put together I think they've been with each other a while now um, they seem to be uh, collectively a good group um, fight for each other but as, as you said James Coleman and then Evan Ferguson um, they're, t- they're two big players um, but I think as I said before we, we just need to go into that game and full of confidence and and just try and win really at all costs um, it'll be tough of course it will it's a tough group, but um, I think these are the games you want to be involved in. So I think the lads will, will go out and give it everything as, as they always do. Of course, talking about Seamus, you played with him at Euro 2016 uh, among other tournaments, but there are so many stories about Seamus over the years, motivating players, particularly in recent years, keeping Everton clinging on to Premier League football. How was he as captain for you, particularly for those big games against Italy and France at Euro 2016? He's brilliant. He's um, look. He's a natural leader. I think um, he's just the way he approaches games, the way he is with the lads. He's been absolutely brilliant. Um, one of the first people to to message me when when I retired. Um, he's just that kind of guy. I think when all new lads come into the squad, he's the first there to greet and make them feel welcome and get them involved with the lads. But on the pitch, he I think he leads by example. I see in his performances, he. He rarely has a bad game in training. He's always honest. He's screaming and shouting at people if you make a mistake. That's just the kind of character he is. And and I think you speak to anyone, um, they'll say the same. He's he's absolutely been brilliant for Ireland through the years. And he'll be a big loss. Yeah, he really just comes across as a, an all-around professional and a great man at that. Uh, turning then from captain to management, it's roughly three and a half years since Stephen Kenny was appointed back in April 2020. With just four wins in 23 competitive games, how much pressure is he under now at the minute? Yeah, I think, look, I think he is under pressure. Every manager, that when when you're not getting the results, is always going to come under a bit of pressure. Look, I, I like what he's done. I like the way they earned their playing. But it's a results business. Everyone knows that. And um, as long as we're not getting results, then he'll he'll always there'll always be a spotlight on him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's been nice to watch Ireland at times under Kenny's tenure playing some you know ball on the deck compared to some of the long ball that we did have before. But how do you strike that balance? As you say, it's a results business, but also get some nice football going too. Yeah, I think it's just the the final product. I think look, Ireland, if we've always kind of struggled in, in scoring goals, and uh, we don't score that many. Um, I think just a good performance, and we, we always were like, if we nick a goal, and we we felt confident enough that, that on the other side of a defensive side that we could keep keep teams out. Um, I just think we need, we need to go into that game, approach it as. As a, a must win, which which it is, um, be confident about it. I think keep playing the way they're playing. But if we can get a goal, um, I think you just need to hold on to it. Really, it'd be nice to get an early goal. But look, these these games are tough. They're a very good. They're a very good team, which we all know. But um, 
look, I'm hopeful we get a result. Yeah, and as we say, we we seem to be able to up our performance for those bigger games. You think back to the performance against France at home, Portugal away, where we probably should have gotten more in those games, but it's the other side that seems to let us down. So how how can Ireland learn to rally from the big games to follow up with the same level of performance against the nations maybe that are more on our own level? Yeah, as you said, their performances were very good, but these are the fine margins at international level when you play the big teams. Um, you get chances, you have to take them. And we've seen that against France. Um, you need to learn from it. You need to learn from the games. Uh, it's just individual errors and, and a bit of tiredness towards the end. It cost us, but you just need to be focused. It's it's tough. It's mentally tough in, in the games when you're playing the big teams because they're at you all the time. It's it's hard, but I think you just need to keep concentrated for the full ninety minute ninety whatever it is. Um, always just be alert, just concentrate on the game fully. I can't stress that enough. You just need to focus on the game constantly, because as you've seen, one mistake can cost you um, against the big teams. It's not all doom and gloom around the Irish team. There has to be some optimism for fans, as we mentioned, the likes of Ferguson. You've got Bazunu, Ogbeni, Obafemi. You know, if those lads can start to click, maybe in the next couple of years, things can can start to go in the right direction again. Yeah, look, I think it's it's it, the future is bright for Ireland. I really do think that because you think of it, a lot of players came in that were inexperienced. They've now come into the squad and they're getting caps under their belt and they're learning all the time. They're getting more experience on the pitch. So maybe in a few years' time, it could come right for Ireland because I think if we stick to the way we are playing, it's just results we need now. The football's good, but we need results. Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, just to switch things up completely now, Daryl, you were, of course, the special guest at our Beat Club Focus event, which saw Raheen Rounders receive that €1,000 bursary for their wonderful club. Uh, what was your highlight of the night? I think just the experience in total, to be honest with you. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, just enjoyed listening to, to the stories from from all the different clubs and just how hard they work behind the scenes to, to get things up and running. Um, and just overall, it was, a, it was a great night to be involved in. We're about to launch Club Focus 23-24. So what would you say to anyone who's maybe on the fence about nominating their club? I'd say definitely get involved. Um, just don't think about it. Just just get signed up or whatever you need to do to, to get involved because speaking to, to a few people at it, um, they were saying that they weren't even going to bother um, because they didn't think they'd get in. So I'd say to anyone out there who, who is listening or wants to get involved and just, just go and apply for it. Um, you never know because the lads, the lads at the end of the night were... They had a great night and obviously the winners um, were absolutely delighted. Absolutely, it really is worth it. Daryl, I'm going to wrap this up with a quick fire round to finish. So, when you're ready, what's the favourite goal that you scored? Um, I'd say my goal against Wigan um, in the Premier League. I think I got goal of the month for it. So, that, that always stands out. And your favourite teammate you ever played with? Favourite teammate? Oof. No pressure. A few people here. Um, probably the most enjoyable would be probably, I'd say, David McGoldrick at Ipswich. We, we had some great seasons there and he's the top player. Favourite Liverpool player in the current squad? In the current squad? 
Um, it has to be Salah. Yeah, different class. And your favourite pool player of all time? Of all time? Um, oof. I know he wasn't there long, but I would have said Fernando Torres just as being a striker and, and the impact he made when, when he first came to Liverpool. I just loved watching him and got the privilege to play against him as well a few times. So I'd say Torres. And the best Premier League player currently? Currently, um, I'd say De Bruyne. Yeah. I would have said Haaland, but he hasn't been there long enough. I think De Bruyne has been doing it for years. And finally then, score prediction for tomorrow's game versus the Netherlands? Oh, I'd go... 1-0 Ireland 1-0 Fingers crossed Who do you think will get the goal? I, I'm, I'm going to go for big Shane Duffy I think Maybe a I header know, I, was going, I was going to say Shane Duffy <laughs> But I was thinking Yeah do you know what Shane Duffy from a corner Yeah Coming up from a corner The big man Sounds good We'll take anything Yeah exactly Anyone scores I don't care Absolutely Listen Daryl you're a gent Thanks very much for coming on with me And hopefully talk to you soon Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. Hopefully it will be an historic night at the Aviva tomorrow night. Just a reminder, if you hadn't heard, but Horse Racing Ireland has announced that there will be a replacement flat meeting at Tremor next Wednesday afternoon, September 13th, with declarations to run to be made by 10am on Monday 11th. That's a wrap on today's Sports Beat Extra. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to stay tuned as Megan is coming up next to get your Saturday night started.